Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Welcome into Big Orange Sunday. Here we are, September the 27th, almost through the end of the month. Of course, we are brought to you, as always, by Middle Tennessee's Community Bank, Wilson Bank and Trust. So let's start today's show with a question, because this is the question I asked myself when I woke up this morning. As a Tennessee fan, what did you expect would happen in Gainesville last night? Not what you hoped would happen, not what I wished would happen, but going into the ballgame, what did you expect would happen in Gainesville last night? We're going to try to answer that question today, and then at the end of the show, maybe get into why and all those different things as we go through the show. Just in a nutshell, Florida, too much for Tennessee last night, too much for the Vols. Tennessee was in the game for a half. Gators took control in the third quarter and, of course, put the game away. At halftime, 17-14, Tennessee every bit in it. But then the third quarter, 31-14 at the end of the third quarter, and, of course, the end of the game, 38-14. So we're going to take a look at that. But outscored 21 to zip in the second half. Field position. And Florida's power offense played big. Let's kind of take a look at the stats. Sometimes stats tell you something. Sometimes they don't, quite frankly. Normally, you know the old saying, stats are for losers. Well, coaches look at them, but they also look more at the tape and exactly what happened. Let's talk about it. Again, what do we expect going into the game? What actually happened in the game? Net yards rushing. We'll just start right at the top. Florida, the number one rushing team in the Southeastern Conference, might be the number one in the country. I don't look at national stats. They're well over 300, what, 330, 340 yards rushing coming in. They had 285. That was expected. Tennessee, 159. Pretty good. I didn't expect Tennessee would get much out of their running game at all after watching Florida play Alabama last week and what we've done so far. Pretty good, 159. What was not expected, at least by me, was the way that Florida threw the football. Well, let me let me rephrase that. The way Emory Jones threw the football. 22 of 28, they threw for almost 80% completion, completing almost four out of every five passes. That was not expected. And really, in many ways, was the difference in the ballgame. One of the differences in the ballgame. We threw for 48%, so a 79% completion versus a 48% completion under 50% completion. Again, not expected from my standpoint going into this game. Overall, Tennessee pretty darn good total offensive yards, 423 overall. Florida, 505. So offensively, it was not a yardage production thing that cost us. It was something else. Well, it was primarily, quite honestly, Florida. But that's what we're going to take a look at. Average per play, pretty darn good. Florida, 7.4. This is running and passing combined. But Tennessee, 6.2. So offensively, we did some good things in this game, but we didn't score enough points. Penalties, 
I kind of marked that because as we went through the game, it, it seemed like we had a bunch, and we did, 10 for 85. Florida had six for 45. Quite frankly, in this ball game, penalties didn't play a big part of it, didn't really stop any drives. Uh, 30 of those yards came on, uh, uh, came on, I guess, two different penalties and one different play, but it didn't affect anything on there. So all in all, uh, all in all, those parts of it were, were pretty much expected. Again, the only unexpected thing to me was Florida just threw the ball, completed a lot more passes for a lot more yardage than I thought they would going in. Tennessee did not get any advantage in the kicking game. That was one of the areas I thought we would gain an advantage. Now, it's difficult to do sometimes. You're not going to block punts against a good team. You're not going to return kicks against a good team, just like teams won't do it against us because we are a good kicking game team. But we didn't get any advantage in there. That was pretty much wasn't called a push because we did miss a field goal. But by and large, it's pretty much a push. Special player in this game, without question, and I'll be talking about this as we go through the game, uh, as we go through talking about the game, quarterback Emory Jones. He had 15 rushes for 144 yards. Again, that was expected. If you'll remember what we talked about last week and one of the things that the shows that I have on 104.5 The Zone and Coach to Coach I talked about, you have to keep Emory Jones, the quarterback, from beating you running the football. Well, he ran the football, and he ran it well. And, of course, he was 21 of 27 for 209 yards throwing the football. So the game plan, I'm sure, was to make him beat us passing. He did that. Not let him be, beat us running, but he did that also. Possession time. Key. I don't know exactly. I'm going to ask Coach Heibel next time I talk to him. What? What? I know what he expects from a possession time, but – you know, this is the first time that we've really had a coach that runs the hurry-up offense like he runs it. Uh, so, what's what? You know, what is a good possession time? I'm not really sure on that. I know what the old days was. You wanted to have it. I don't know if that wins for you or doesn't. But whichever, Florida had the ball 11 more minutes than we had. So it was a case as we've seen uh, in the pit game, uh, and it was a case that that probably is going to be the way that we play with this offense. Uh, but in this these, this game in particular and the pit game, the two losses, we were unable to get off the field on defense and we were a, unable to stay on the field enough of the time on offense. Third down conversions, Tennessee 5 of 13, Florida 9 of 14. Now we were one of two on fourth down conversions. Here's the big stat right here, and I don't normally talk about this because – it's not a matter of where you score from. It's how many you score. But red zone, inside the 20-yard line. Florida got inside our 20-yard line five times and scored all five. We got down there one time and, sco- and did not score. So those are just some of the stats uh, a- as we kind of look at. Now let's kind of evaluate this. Let's, let's take a look at, again, what we expected and what actually happened. Two big keys after this game, without question. Field position, and I'll talk about that in a second, and Florida's power offense. Emory Jones, as I mentioned, every bit as good as advertised as a runner, and he was advertised as an outstanding runner and significantly better than advertised as a passer. He's a big-time player. He's tough. We need one like him, quite frankly. Excellent, excellent football player. He gave Alabama a lot of problems, and then if he stays healthy, he's going to give a lot of other folks a lot of problems. I mentioned field position. 
here's here's here is the big key to this game. It's normally a big key in almost every game. Our starting Tennessee's average start was on our own 19 yard line. Right. So let's put that in yardage perspective. Our average start for this game, I think we had 11 possessions, was our 1981 yards from Florida's end zone. Our best start was on our 26. So Florida did a wonderful job. We did a darn good job too, by the way. But Florida did a wonderful job of keeping us deep in our territory, making us drive the football for an offense that hasn't come together all the time. Our, our, our scores came on big plays, right? It was an excellent job by them. There was only one turnover in this game. We didn't have a turnover in this game. I don't can't not remember, and I've been to almost, well, not all of them, but I've been to a bunch of games at Florida Field uh, in Gainesville. I don't recall us, well, most games I recall down there, we had a bunch of turnovers. We didn't have a single turnover in this ballgame. They had one. Florida start was at their own 30, so they didn't have great field position either. So we accomplished, and as we go through today's show at the end of it, I'm going to get more into this, but we accomplished a lot of the things that we had to do as a team to give us ourselves a chance to win. Big thing coming out of this ballgame, and again, I'm going to discuss this, because this, you know, it's, it's where we're headed right now. It's not where we are. It's where we're headed. And uh, we're doing some good things. But in this particular ballgame, we got beat by a darn good Florida football team and an outstanding player, best I've seen in this league this year. It was going to take a strong offensive point production to win, and we simply were not able to score enough points. Again, field position, where we started, plus Florida's defense put a lot of pressure on the passing game. I'm going to kind of hop around here a little bit because there's a lot of things I want to touch on, but let's kind of get into it as we go into today's show. And again, I'm going to try to touch on a lot of different topics. Uh, there's certainly some pluses. There's certainly some pluses with, with this roster right now, and I think there's some good things that's going to happen with this roster. But let's kind of talk through those days. Second-half performance, disappointing, I'm sure, for this team and staff. We just did not play very well in the second half, really in any phase of the game. Had a little bugaboo on, on, a, on a punt where we had two number ones in there. That happens. You know, it happens. <laughs> it happens certainly when you have more number, more uh, of one number on a team, and we got a bunch of them, one on offense, one on defense. It didn't hurt us. We had missed opportunities on offense, not enough to win the game, but certainly some plays that would have been big, big plays in the passing game in particular. This team to be what this team can be at the end of the year is going to have to be able to, to complete passes. We've had drop passes almost every single game through the first third of the season, which we are right now. We've had too many drops, and uh, we've certainly had some errant throws, but we've had too many drops. And if you're going to be a good football team, if you're going to be a good offense, you got to catch the ball. I mean, I know that goes without saying, but you got to catch the ball in key downs. We had one in particular where we uh, had a drop on a, little, on a crossing route, young sophomore, Wide open, boy, you look at it from the end zone, and that play is going to go for 40, 50 yards. Heck, with his talent, he might have even scored. Did that cost us the game? No. But those are the little things 
that we're going to have to, we're going to have, particularly in, in some games, and in this game was one of them, we were going to have to play as well as we could play and get a few breaks. We did not play as well as we could play, and we did not get any breaks from Florida. And again, I, I give Florida a lot of credit for that. I mentioned this last week. I thought one of the advantages that we might have would be the fact that we were playing Florida after Florida played Alabama. Played very well against Alabama, but on the two-yard line, right? Uh, I figured it would be a little bit of letdown. I figured that because in all the years, 10 years I coached in Tennessee, whenever we played Alabama, we didn't play particularly well the next week, win, lose, or draw to Alabama. Florida played well. They played well and well enough to win the game. All right, as I mentioned, second half performance, disappointing. Missed opportunity. We had, we had poor tackling. We, we tackled well in the first half. We did not tackle well in the second half. Again, Florida had something to do with it. Penalties was there. Defense lost contain and looked tired, especially in the fourth quarter. Now, I don't know if they were tired because one thing that I will give this defensive staff credit for, they play a lot of players. We had some guys in there at times, <laughs> and there are backup players, but uh, – well, backup players is being kind. They are the backup players, and they're playing as hard as they can play and playing at times pretty darn well. But so I don't know that we got tired. Maybe just Florida was a little bit stronger, but missed tackles. We got a little bit out of position, uh, which this offense will do to you. When you got a quarterback that can do what this guy does, the inside running game we had to stop. To stop the inside running game, we had to have more people than we wanted to put, I'm sure in position to stop the inside run. When you do that, they can hurt you in other areas. And listen, Dan Mullen's an outstanding play caller. I think we've got a good play caller. I think we've got a really good play caller offensively. You know, we, we had some good plays dialed up. We hit a few of them. We had others open. Anyway, in a game with Tennessee needed to play close to perfect, well, we fell short. One thing I want to I want to make sure I get across though, and and, and I think again, what, what did you expect? What did I expect going into this game? But here, here's the bottom line, to me, one of the bottom lines: we didn't lose this game. Florida won this game. We didn't turn the ball over. We didn't play sloppily. We played about like the team that we are. Had some opportunities. Every team has opportunities. But this particular team in games like this, we have to take advantage of every opportunity. Where a team like Florida and a couple other we're going to be playing, they don't have to do that. Our margin of error is very thin. But the big thing I hope you took out of this game last night, and I certainly do, I certainly did, Tennessee didn't lose this game. Florida beats. Florida's a better football team. Just a couple of things on this. Again, I'm going to work through some of this stuff as we talk. I try to break down, and I think I have a really good grasp of the players and positions on this team. That's my job. I, I should have a, a pretty good grasp. Here's what I saw last night. Somewhat going in, but certainly coming out. You know, there's only one position group on this football team that was better or even equal to, in my opinion, Florida's. Only one group. And the only group uh, where we were ahead, I think, I think we were better in the secondary. 
we have a better secondary. Quarterback? No. Wide receiver? No. Offensive line? No. Defensive line? No. Linebacker? No. And in this game, we didn't have an advantage in the kicking area. We probably are as good or better than they are over on the kicking, but, but it wasn't a big advantage. And here's the thing. You know who knows that better than me and you and ever, most everybody else? Ghost Josh Eichel. He knows this. And this will kind of be a theme from today's show. Going forward, where we need to get player-wise, that is the thing. Coach Heupel knows where we need to get player-wise. Player Again, there's only a handful of transfers were, 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 that were signed by him. He didn't have anything to do with recruiting here is staff recruiting this particular football team. There's not a single player on this team that was not a transfer that he brought in. What were their handful, five, six, seven, however many there were. Everybody else was not recruited by him. Now, we got some good players, but they weren't recruited by him and maybe don't quite fit what he wants to do. I don't know. I think he's coaching. He and his staff are coaching him up pretty darn well, at least from my viewpoint. That's exactly what I'm seeing. All right, again, kind of hopping around a little bit, but let's just look what, what's, what's important. You know, there used to be an old head coach at Vanderbilt that went to LSU, and he had the win. You know, what's important now? I don't probably need to be quoting Vanderbilt on this, but that kind of, I, I, I kind of like that. What's important now? Okay, Florida, Alabama, and Georgia. We knew going into the season where we stood physically and athletically with those three teams, right? Hasn't changed any from what I've seen so far. They're better. They're more physical. They got depth. They're strong programs. Florida, as I mentioned after last week, I did not believe that Florida going into the season would be as good as they have looked so far. And they look really good the last two weeks. And there's only one way to get to where this team needs to be, where this team wants to be, where this head coach wants to be, and that's recruiting. No big revelation here. I'll probably repeat this somewhere down uh, uh, down the road. Well, I'll just save it and repeat and, and say it where I got it scheduled to play. But recruiting, it's all about recruiting. We got to get the players up there that compete can compete with those three teams that I just mentioned. Tennessee's been there before several times, and we've been where we are right now several times. So that, that's what this head coach is facing. So what's his job? Well, his job is to get the best out of this team he can. Now, let's look at the rest of it, though. Here's the way I see it. I've watched a lot. I've watched every one of these teams play. Missouri, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Vanderbilt. That's going to tell us really where we stand. And that's pretty much all those teams are in the middle of the conference or a little bit lower. And you know what? As I look at it, all of these games are winnable. We can win every one of these ball games, and four of the five appear to be, I don't know if it's even a word or not, but it kind of fits into this conversation, they're losable. We can beat Missouri. We can beat South Carolina. We can beat Ole Miss. We can beat Kentucky. We can beat Vanderbilt. And at least four of those teams, I would say a maximum of four, they can also beat us. All right? Ole Miss and Kentucky appear to be the best of that five. Vanderbilt, of course, the West. But all those games are winnable. They're, they're not significantly better. They got better areas than we have. All right. So 
as we kind of look, it's a good time to kind of look at the road ahead. What happened? We play Missouri. They got beat 34 to 41 by Boston College. I don't know a lot about Boston College, but I know they ain't in the Southeastern Conference powerhouse. South Carolina and Kentucky played. South Carolina scored 10. Kentucky scored 16. I would say that bodes pretty well for us, as I said. I believe Kentucky's probably athletically a little ahead of us right now. South Carolina's not. Ole Miss was open. They're going to score a lot of points, a lot of points. We're going to have to score a lot of points to beat them. And you know what? They give up a lot of points. Alabama beat Southern Miss 63-14. to Then we got an open date. Then Kentucky comes rolling in. Again, they won 16-10 to at South Carolina. Just talk about that. Last two ball games is Georgia and Vanderbilt. Georgia beat Vanderbilt 62 to nothing. And Vanderbilt lost zero to 62. You can draw your own conclusions on that. But that's kind of where the road ahead is right now. So, all right, I want to kind of finish up our church segment here and then get into a lot of other things. But let, let's, let, let me just kind of end up on this. End. And I'm, I'm trying to make a point on this. I think everybody knows this. I hope everybody knows this. I think almost everybody that listens to this show is a Tennessee fan. Most of them have listened to me ramble on over the years. But we didn't get out coached in this game. Did you think we did? That's what I was talking about. You know, what would you expect? We didn't get out coached in this game. We didn't get out efforted in this game. We didn't get out schemed in this game. None of those things happened. Now, Florida, had, they got a good scheme on offense. We didn't get out schemed. We got out athleted. And when we get back to where we need to get, and we will eventually get there, I, for my money, think we got the right cat as the head coach. But we got out-athleted in this game. Now, uh, they will uh, they will be out uh, – this team's going to be out-athleted in several more areas of the remaining seven conference games. We've got seven conference games remaining. We're going to get out-athleted in some of those, too. At least a couple of them. But that's where this kind of team kind of sits right now. All right. A lot more I want to get into. Let's take our uh, let's take our church segment break. We'll come back. Got to kind of talk a little bit about that. So what about this team? What can this staff do? Uh, and then we're going to also look at uh, – I want to I go kind of – did a little breakdown on the roster and where we are and who's playing and who's not. And I think there's some very interesting things about some players that very well could be coming back next year, some that we're probably not counting on right now. We'll discuss that uh, when we come back from break. Double Dogs Restaurant, there's three of them right here in Middle Tennessee. Of course, Dan Davis and the folks up in Bowling Green, Kentucky, big, big, big Tennessee fans. Got one up in Galton. They got one in Bowling Green, by the way, not too far away. If you're up in the White House area, that part of the, you know Portland, but maybe a little bit closer up there than you are uh, here in Middle Tennessee. Well, I know you are. But Galton, of course, Hillsborough Village, right down between Vanderbilt and Belmont, and over down, near downtown Charlotte Pike. All of them have the same thing. They have outstanding food. It's a place you can take your whole family and enjoy it. I have. Several times. This place you can meet a buddy or two. I have several times. You're going to get great food. If you want to watch sports, I don't particularly watch a lot of sports when I'm in there, but a lot of people do. 
Want to watch some of the games? Get together with some of your buddies, your friends, your family. This is the place to do it. Double Dogs Restaurant. Check out all the locations. They got places up in Knoxville, also Louisville, other places around the South. Check out all their locations at DoubleDogs.biz. A couple of more things as is going through break here. I want to touch on the uh, on the Florida game because uh, again, all this you, you take what happens in one ball game and you either build on it uh, or you uh, eliminate it make your changes, but second half, again, going back to that second half, you know, there were only, uh, 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 there were only four drives. Florida had four drives in the second half. Tennessee had four drives and and the last drive of course was a a meaningless drive where Florida was just playing defense. And, you know, what we get down to the 20 yard line where we were when the game ended anyway, Florida's four drives. And here's, here's, here's what this defensive coordinator at Tennessee and this defensive staff will be looking at, and this head football coach will be looking at defensively and offensively. Florida had four drives. In those four drives, they had 31 plays. For 277 yards, they had three touchdowns and punt. They had 21 points in those four second-half drives. All right, scored three touchdowns in four drives. We had four drives also. We had 38 plays and 167 yards, but 65 of those yards was in that last, what I would call a meaningless drive. So essentially in the second half, we were out yardaged 277 to 102, and we were outscored 21 to zip. And that was a difference in the ball game. Again, for a half, we were right there with them. Coming out the second half, all Florida, very little Tennessee. All right, I want to go back and kind of talk about what we what what I ended the first segment talking about. Again, we didn't get out coached, in my opinion. I don't think we got out coached at all. We they got a good coach. We got a good coach. We didn't get out efforted. We didn't get out schemed. We got out athleted. And there's going to be, as I mentioned uh, several more times in those remaining seven conference games, that we're probably going to be out athleted, not by a large margin and all but two. And the only way this is going to change is through recruiting. You know this, and I know this. If you're a Tennessee fan for any time, there, 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 there. This is what there has been uh, for over a decade in Middle Tennessee. Uh, well, excuse me. Admit, let me rephrase that. There's been a, a, over a decade that we've we've uh, we've been a middle to down team in the Southeastern Conference, right? 12 years, whatever it is, and for many of those 12 years, these past 12 years, 11, 12, 13, whatever it is, for many of these years, most of them, in fact, coaching was a major problem. We've had a major problem in coaching, head coaching, for much of the last 12 years. I really don't think that's the case right now. I watched this head football coach and his staff, for that matter, all-inclusive coach. I've had several visits with them, but more importantly, I watch what they're doing in the ball game. Now, it's very easy to be critical, and I'm probably overcritical myself, but I challenge any Tennessee fan that's really watching this to not think that we're not a better coached football team. Yes, are there plays that you would have called that I would have called? Maybe, maybe. But this is a pretty darn good, well-coached football team. 
So I don't think that's a problem at all. That hasn't been a problem in the past. That hasn't been true in the past. It's been a problem in the past. We've not had real good coaching for whatever reason. Some of the hires were questionable. Uh, some of them didn't pan out. I guess all of them didn't pan out. So bottom line is, as I was mentioning, what this coach has to do and where Tennessee has to go forward, what we'll be talking a lot about in future shows, quite frankly, is going forward. What about what about this fall team? What can this staff do? What can this team do? And I think it's pretty darn simple. And this I know is what Coach Heupel wants to get done and is going for. All, all this team can do is build the foundation for the expectations of the future. This is a foundational building team. I'm going to keep talking about this till I'm blue in the face because there's some people that are Tennessee fans that don't listen or don't understand or don't want to understand. I'm going to repeat it again. There's not a single player on this team other than four, five, six, eight transfers that this head football coach has recruited. Now, are there players up there he would recruit? Absolutely. But this is not his team. He is coaching this team, and I think he's coaching them pretty darn well right now. And I think it's going to continue to get better. So build the foundation. He's putting in – is there any question to any of you listening to this show what he wants to do offensively? There's not in my mind. Now, he's not getting everything done he wants to get done. We know what this offense is going to look like. And I tell you, from what I've seen, it's a dang good offense. Now, we're not executing it quite right. And he probably doesn't have exactly the people that he wants. I know he doesn't have exactly the people he wants. But he's laying the foundation offensively and defensively for that matter. we got a sound, solid, well-coached defense. We don't have it well-stocked with football players just yet. That's the job that needs to get done. Recruiting. If you're one of those people that think that can't happen again, and I don't think there's many out there, it's happened in the past at least five times at Tennessee. I'm not going to go back through the history. We've had five coaches that have built programs at Tennessee, built championship programs at Tennessee. In a difficult conference, we've always been in a tough conference ever since any of us were alive been the Southeastern Conference since 1933. We've always been in a tough conference. We've always played tough opponents. Georgia, Florida now every year. Heck, for most years, it was Alabama, Auburn. Ain't a whole lot of difference between those playing, which those two you play. And now, of course, we're playing three of them. But bottom line is, it's all about getting players and it's all about getting recruiting. I'm going to talk about recruiting probably in the last segment on what I know this head coach wants to get done where he wants to get it done because he told me. So building the foundation, this is what we're going to do on offense. Coach Heupel, in my opinion, will be able to go out, is already going out now that they can get on the road. Offensively, guys, if you're an offensive wide receiver, a running back, a offensive line, a quarterback. This is the style of offense we're going to run. Do you want to play for a team that's going to try to run 100 game, 100 plays a game? Come to Tennessee. You want to play a game for your receiver that we're going to get you the ball? Hopefully you can catch it. The ones we're recruiting, I'm sure they can come to Tennessee. You want an opportunity to be part of a fast, up-paced, exciting offense? 
playing an outstanding conference, great conference, play in front of 100,000 people, come to Tennessee. Other people have the same pitch too. But anyway, foundation, I think he's doing that. I see it. Uh, hopefully you can too. I see what he wants to be on offense. And I see what he wants to be on defense. And I see what he wants to be in the kicking game. He's laying the foundation for that. How do we get better? We get better coaching them up and through recruiting on that. Just I'm, I'll end on this, but, but I want, I'm trying to make a point on this. I coached at Tennessee when we lost games. Right? I was there the whole decade of the 80s, 1980 through 1989, 10 years. And in those early years and a couple of later, we lost ball games. We didn't get beat. We lost ball games early. And I was also there when we won games for six years when we won games, starting in 1985. Again, from 1985 to the early 2000s, Tennessee won games. Won games. We didn't lose games. We won games. Five conference championships. Why? Very simple. We had players and we had coaches. We had real good players and we had real good coaches. That's how you build a program, and that's how you win. And, again, I defy anybody to go back through Tennessee's history. We've had five head coaches that were real good coaches, that were real good recruiters. We had real good players, and we won a lot of ball games. The other period of time, we have not had real good coaching. And we haven't had, because of recruiting, real good players. There's been times we've been pretty good here, pretty good there. If Coach Heupel's the guy, and I hope he is, and I see there's a lot of signs that that he is, we'll get back to where we are a real good football team and we're winning games instead of losing games. That's his job. I've had a couple of what I consider really good conversations with him. First of all, he's a pretty open guy. He has no reason to be be busy with me about anything. I can't help him a darn bit. He's a good guy. Forget about being a good guy. I think he's a good football. He knows what he wants. His recruiting is key, and I can just tell you this, without a doubt in my mind from busying with him, he is going to start recruiting. And I, I should not say start. He's already started. But he's going to build his his recruiting from Middle Tennessee. That's going to be the number one area. I'll be able to get into a little bit more detail in the future. Build from Middle Tennessee out. In other words, take a map of the South. Take a map of of west of west uh, uh, of everything west of the Mississippi. Excuse me, east of the Mississippi. All right. Let me get my direction straight here. Start in Middle Tennessee and work your way out. You know what? With there, without question, without question, this isn't even debatable by anybody in college football. Middle Tennessee, just the Middle Tennessee area alone, Tennessee can sign five to seven top Southeastern Conference championship caliber football players every year out of Middle Tennessee. Once you just to chew on that a minute. That's how that's how good Middle Tennessee uh, has become in high school football. 
It's not like it was 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, where there were maybe two or three. There's five to seven every single year. If Tennessee gets five of those, there, there's more than that, quite honestly, but there's five to seven that Tennessee can get. And just think about it. We're, we signed 25 players. If you can get five players out of one area, that's 20% of your recruiting class. But the other thing, there's some, there's some key aspects about recruiting Middle Tennessee that's key. Number one, if you can't recruit your own state, what do you think that the teams that we recruit against tells players they're recruiting? And this has been true in the past. Now, Butch Jones had a couple of good years here. I'll give him a lot of credit for that. But every other coach we've had here, going back to, 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 uh, to the two mid early 2000s, every other we've had coach has kind of haven't, haven't done a very good job recruiting this area. But here's what other other head coaches, other coaching staffs do, other head coaches do that, that's recruiting against Tennessee. Pretty easy sell to go in and tell some young man somewhere else, say, listen, they can't even recruit their state. The players in their state don't even want to go to Tennessee. And I'm not going to go into a lot of whole detail about it right now because we've got other things to talk about. But just bottom line is this. If you follow recruiting at all, let me tell you, in the last two or three years, we've lost players to Alabama, to Clemson, to Georgia, to Ohio State, and to Oklahoma, all right here in Middle Tennessee. Now, those five, what do those five programs have in common? Those are the five programs that have been in the college football playoffs more than any other programs in the country. So if there's players in Middle Tennessee that those teams want, and it had some been transfers, but those players have gone there. And Tennessee is never going to get back to as good as we can be if we don't start controlling Middle Tennessee. This head football coach, I am convinced, is going to be able to do that. I'm convinced there's some things over here that are happening and will happen that's going to greatly enhance that. Listen, name image likeness is going to be big for Tennessee. It's going to be big. There's some things going on in name image likeness that is going to be big for Tennessee. It's probably going to, it's going to be big for other programs. It's going to be big for Tennessee. And you look down the road at the freshmen and sophomores and juniors in high school, there are, is a lot of talent coming out of Middle Tennessee. I go to a high school ball game every week. The last few years I've gone to one I've had grandsons playing in, and I've seen a lot of these athletes come in. And it's amazing to me. I go down and talk to the head football coach at the other schools, uh, all the schools, uh, or maybe an athletic director. It's amazing to me of how much top talent is moving in here from other areas. It's amazing to me. From Chicago, from California, from Texas, major talent moving in here, and we all know why they're moving in here. So that's that's the challenge. But again, we get good coaching, and it looks to me like we got good coaching. That's all going to be proved out. There's not a whole lot you can complain about 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 Josh Heupel right now. The biggest complaint I've had: he didn't run the right play uh, on the goal line on fourth down and one. Well, if that's the worst thing, again, the right play from what the people talking about thought he should have run. Pretty easy 
when a play doesn't work to say we should have run another play. No kidding. No kidding. All right, let me take another break. Wanna, I, I'm going to talk uh, get a couple other topics, but you, you kind of get the theme of the show. You know, where we are right now, got folks, is where we are, where we were at the start of the season. The, 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 the object of this year is to get better, to get a foundation in place and win some ball games. And I believe if we keep playing like we're playing and we stay relatively healthy, good to see Cooper Mays back in there last night. You know, we're down to five offensive linemen, you know, not a whole lot you can do about that. I've had a couple of other guys. I think all the lanes come in and play darn well, you know, probably going to have to count on a few other players. We're probably going to have some injuries going forward. I have to players step up. We're a little deeper in some areas. We'll talk about that uh, when we come back also. Mid-10 Ford, if you're a truck person, I don't think there's any doubt you're a Ford truck person. I know I am. I'm both. I'm a truck person, and because of that, I'm a mid-10 Ford truck person. Mid-10 Ford. Been around, well, years and years and years. The Boyd family has done a wonderful job over all those years, and there's a bunch of them involved over there right now. Kids, grandkids, in-laws. It's a family-run operation. They run it just like that. And they really do. I've, I've been been buying from them for 30 years, all the way back to the great Bill Boyd. Bottom line is this. Your family, too. Everybody can sell you a truck, right? Most people sell you a truck. They got trucks. They can service them. They can work with you. You got a problem? No problem. Come in and talk to us about it. I've said before, you know, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of uh, dealerships that don't advertise this, but there's a lot of dealerships when they need a truck worked on. Guess where they send it? They send it to Mid Ten Ford. Great company. If you're looking for a truck, if you're looking for a Ford truck, they'll sell you an SUV too. But these are truck people. Check them out online at midtentrucks.com or stop by Foster Avenue and see. All right, let's kind of take a look. Uh, we're two and two through September. September will be over by the time we play. Well, we play the October second. Two and two, uh, opportunity to be uh, three and one, but we're two and two right now. You got your own opinion of how we're playing. All right, I got mine. Let's talk about Missouri. October, a key key month, always is. In Tennessee football, always has been, at least 50 years, 40 years I've been involved in it. Starts with Missouri. We go out to Columbia. Winnable ball game. They're a good football team. Uh, they're not a great football team. They're a good football team. I think we're a good football team. And we'll be probably talking about this, uh, this very same topic, no matter who the teams we are going forward, other than just a couple. we got a couple teams out there that are going to be burger bears. Missouri's not one of them. We go out there and play well, play smart, play low. You know, this team does not make a lot of turnovers. And by the way, let's just talk a little bit about that. I thought Hooker played a really good game yesterday. Listen, we, we have limitations at quarterback, all right? We have limitations. Uh, obviously, they believe Hooker gives them the best ch- chance. I, I don't put a whole lot on Milton's performance yesterday because he came in late. But, but anyway, looks like Hooker's a guy to me. I may be – 100% wrong. I don't make the decisions on it. Looks like Hooker, though, is the guy. And he he got better. I saw improvement from him. Hopefully you did, too, from the the, uh, the previous game, Tech, uh, an opponent not anywhere, not anywhere near Florida, than Florida. He was decisive. He got rid of the ball. He threw the ball well. He ran well. He protected it. But big thing is 
again, and th- these are things that, that kind of get lost sometimes, but we didn't have a turnover yesterday against a good Florida defense. And we had six for the year, all of them have been by the quarterback. Our running backs and the, our wide receivers and our returners continue holding on to the football. Now we got we got some drops problems. I don't know what we, we got too many, you know. I don't mention a whole lot of players' names on this air in a negative way, and I'm not, but we got we got some, you know, they're both sophomores. We got some guys that are talented players when they get that ball in their hands, but they gotta get they gotta catch it first. All right. The other thing that was just jumped out at me, and I went back and, and watched uh, some of the part of the game. We had we had put you know a couple of bad snaps again. I want to mention two guys. I'm I'm I want to miss this before I get through with this show. Uh, the guts that Cooper May showed yesterday. Cooper Mays is injured. He's a sophomore. Doesn't really surprise me. That's kind of the DNA of his family going back to his daddy, probably his mother too. I don't know her. But Cooper Mays gutted it out yesterday. He had a, had a bad leg going in, and he probably got a bad leg coming out. And I'm going to tell you the other guy that just keeps jumping out of me. This guy's never been a, a great player. He's never been an outstanding player. But Blakely at defensive tackle, defensive end. They got him playing out the, the defensive end. Plenty's, and other guys too, but Plenty's got that. He, he doesn't have the talent that a, that a Theo Jackson has, Alante Taylor. And by the way, two – Good games for them. Flowers also yesterday. But, you know, those are guys you appreciate watching play. All right, I digress a little bit. Missouri, we got to go out there and play well. If we continue playing without turning the ball over, clean up some penalties, that that, that one is big a deal as, as, uh, as, as probably the pit game was. But you need to clean those things up, you know. One play I absolutely loved. I, I, I'm still waiting for Jimmy Holiday to be the player that I think he can be. But he, he hit that punt return a little bit late, early, no question. Guy made a bad mistake and, and fair catch. He didn't show that fair catch late. He got a targeting foul on it, but it was an aggressive hit. If I'm the secondary coach at Tennessee, I'm lobbying to get that young man, either play him on offense or let me have him on defense. Love the kid. Anyway, all right, let me – I got to get my last break out of the way. I got a couple of thoughts on players on what possibly could, could, and I think in a great number will happen uh, at uh, at Tennessee. All right, Uh, Ryan, let's go ahead and go quickly to break. I'll use my uh, last slide when we come back. I got a few minutes left here. There are several things I wanted to get to. I'll cover them in future shows. I want to just kind of touch, though, about uh, something that uh, kind of came to my attention as I was looking. One of the things that I love to do is, is I keep a depth chart of the team. That's what we did when I was coaching, you know, uh, depth chart. And part of the depth chart, obviously, is the position they play, you know, first team, second team, who's the backup, all those things. But as importantly is the class that they're in. How much eligibility do they have? Did you know this? Did you know that we have nine seniors on this team that could come? We have more nine seniors, but we have nine that could come back for an extra year's eligibility next year. Did you know that? I didn't know we had that many. Let me tell you who they are. We have three offensive linemen that are seniors. Calvert, Carvin, and Cade Mays. That's, we have three seniors. All of them could come back. Could come back. I don't think Cade Mays probably will, but I wouldn't be surprised if Calvert, who's missing this year, and Carvin could. 
We have one defensive tackle that could come back, Solomon. Mitchell, at linebacker, is a senior that, if he wants to, could come back. Defensive secondary. Do you know that Alante Taylor and Flowers both have another year's eligibility if they choose to decide it? Our punter Brooks does and our kicker McGrath does. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with all those guys. Doesn't look to me like right now many of those guys are going to be drafted pros. None of them may come back, but my suspicion is a good number of these will come back. So as we're looking to the future, and this is a team that needs to be built, but you take those nine players, you get six or seven of those guys to come back with the experience. All these are good players. And in the offensive line in particular, if we can get two of those three back, and again, I think Cade, well, in all likelihood, at least simply because he's going to be drafted, I would think pretty high. We get Taylor and Flowers back, or one of those two in the defensive secondary. And by the way, we got some young guys coming there. There's some encouraging things about this team. Recruiting is the key. Keep building the program. Keep putting the foundation in place. And everything I see about this head football coach tells me he's doing that. We're going to be okay. We're not okay right now when it comes to winning ball games, but we're going to be okay. Missouri, we'll be talking about them next week. Hey, thanks for being part of the show today. We'll see you next Sunday for Big Orange Sunday. Business has always been about turning a profit, making money, but can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more.